Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Kane, and you're listening to the Home in Place podcast, where I translate theory to practice and create cross-discipline conversations about aging and the importance of place. I am so glad you're here. Today, I'm talking with Scott Fulton. Scott is the owner of Home Ideations in Wilmington, Delaware. He is skilled at incorporating universal design into home remodels and thus creating spaces that beautifully fit the unique needs of the homeowners. He has a passion for teaching and is currently a lecturer of Active Aging in Place at the University of Delaware and instructor at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute. Scott has a background in business and a degree in engineering from St. Lawrence College. He has a combined 35 years of experience in business, research, and engineering consulting. His engineering work centered on public transportation. Most well-known of his projects include the Las Vegas Monorail and Amtrak Acela, which is their high-speed train. Exposed to disabilities at a young age and throughout adulthood, Scott experienced firsthand the challenges created by limitations in the built environment. As his career progressed, he transitioned into designing solutions for retirement-aged homeowners, intending to help them make their homes beautiful, sustainable, livable environments. Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about this conversation with you. Uh, Nicole, it is wonderful to be here with you today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we are going to jump right in, and we're going to start our conversation today with Elevating Joy. So I would love for you to share with us about how you encourage people to elevate joy in their lives. Sure. It's it's really what what, uh, I think the aging process is about. You know, as we look at people, uh, older adults, for many it is is one of the happiest uh, periods of their lives. They've got uh, children and grandchildren. able to celebrate uh, a career but don't have the daily drudgery Um, so there's that there's there's a bit of a honeymoon period particularly early on in retirement of course what uh, what what we also be get concerned about is what happens in later years when we we see the the challenges start to rise and and there's lots of things we can do to preserve that joy and elevate it throughout uh, retirement years by really kind of making some key decisions around how we're going to live out uh, our years. And, and our focus is really around home-based retirement. And so we look at what are the things we can do to our homes that really create a sustainable, uh, uh, joyful environment for people. So, so for most people, that comes from not worrying about money. So if we've got a, a home... Uh, set up for us where we know we can manage the costs, where uh, we've got some comfort in the future to know that that there there's a number of things that we've done to preserve our safety at home. Uh, that provides a lot of a lot of relief and joy from that. And of course, while we're at home, it also means that that we're going to have a lot more engagement with family and friends and neighbors, like we have done for typically many years. So there's that. That, that continuity that, that's really important to people. And those are the things that, um, that when they get taken away from us, uh, make it more difficult to be joyful. Some people are just incredibly resilient. Others, it's, a, it's, a, it's more of a challenge. So it's really about how do, we, how do we imagine a life that's filled with joy throughout our entire lives and, and try to get rid of that fear of, of kind of more at, at later years that, uh, that kind of hangs in lurks in the back of our minds for a number of years. Oh, 
I love that. And you do something really unique um, about reverse engineering your life. And so speaking about those later years or even later last couple of months of life, can you talk to us about this tool of reverse engineering that you use? Sure. It's, uh, I guess it's the consequence of, uh, of many years doing engineering type work and it's, it's just how my brain is programmed. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and as we look at, a, at at any challenge, right? There's a aging isn't new, right? We have been doing it for thousands of years. Um, so, so if we look at what people have done and what people typically what have, what are the ones that have done really well with it? Those are typically the models we look to. Say, well, I want what you know so and so had. How would I how would I achieve that? Uh, so simply asking the question is a great way to open that door. So. So we try to try to engage clients in a in a process where we say, imagine kind of what what would you like the last six months of your life to look like? like picture that, if you will. Um, it's far in the future, uh, little risk, but it takes them to a different place where where they can kind of think about it freely and say, where would you be? Um, is that at home? Is it is it uh, you know, at a vacation spot? Is it uh, uh, parachuting out of an airplane? <laughs> um, it doesn't really matter. You know, we all have different ideas around that. But the idea is, let's think about a different time in life. And if we could create that picture for you, what would that picture look like? So once, when we do that, what it does, it starts immediately creating a vision for them. To say, this is what we've always, through our lives, had visions what would I like that vision to be? And then if we know what that is, then we can start defining some goals and some milestones along the way that would at least allow that to happen. And that's really, as I look at the aging process of where I see people getting in trouble is, is they tend to start to lose the vision. And it's great to have and live in the moment and enjoy the day. Uh, absolutely, we should do that, but we should also the vision that carries us through and motivates us uh, to to want to do things in the future as well. So, so as we describe that with people, what in, invariably follows up with that is it requires some conversations. So, it's often easier to have a conversation with me, a total stranger, uh, than it might be with your your partner or your children. That's not at all uncommon. So. Just the act of starting a conversation is very helpful. They get comfortable with hearing themselves talk about it and maybe asking some questions, which then makes it easier to have the conversation with uh, with loved ones. And, and I'll typically provide some coaching around that, and sometimes that's relatively easy. Sometimes it's difficult for the parents. Sometimes it's difficult for the child. Um, most often, the uh, in a situation with couples, their ideas of the last six months of their own lives may look very different. So how do we navigate through that? And, and, and that's fine. That's a, it was very individual uh, choice for people. So we start to, to map that out. And, and once we have some goals, it's surprising how easily the rest of things start to fall into place because it allows us to have a plan that maps out and says, well, if I would like to if my dream state is I would like to be able to stay in my home. That's really what I'd like to do. And most people think they'd like to do that, and that's fine. Uh, so we talk about what that might be. 
Uh, that might be if we go right towards the say the last six months. You know, maybe some uh, some some uh, disease that we're dealing with. You know, is that something where we could bring someone like hospice in to help make it uh, comfortable to stay at home? Oh, okay. We didn't know about hospice. Mm-hmm. Hospice to me is one of the one of the great resources we have that's underutilized. Yes. Some some very specific things that we can get to in that. But the goal is really to start to map out a plan for them, and then we come back and say, okay, so what would we need to do at the home if that was your goal to to allow that to happen and make it a realistic um, opportunity as opposed to just an aspiration? Yes, I love that you do this. I think that it's just essential. And um, so often people are, are not thinking about or don't want to think about that further stage in life for the last six months of your life. And, but if you, if you stop and you think, okay, I am in a safe place right now in my body, in my home or wherever I am sitting and, and imagine the last six months of my, where would I want to be? What would I want to be doing? What I want to be in the mountains? What do I want to be by the beach? What do I want to be you know, parachuting? What I want to be, uh, you know, by a fireplace, where would I want to be? And who do I want to be with? And imagining those people too. And then I love what you're doing. You say, okay, have this picture this snapshot of your imagined life and then how can we make that happen? Let's just step it back and how can we make that happen? And I just, I love that this is your approach. I think it's incredibly unique. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you today is because I feel like you bring this very unique perspective and view into the aging space, which is something that's so, so needed. So yay engineering background. I love it. So talking about, yeah. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would love for you to talk about um, a sp- sp- healthy spending habits that you encourage people to consider, the proactive versus reactive strategies. Can you talk about that a little? Sure. So so there's a, um, you know, if we've looked at the last few generations, that's what, you know, being the engineer and scientist, uh, it, it, it has always driven me to, to look at the data and so we've learned a lot uh, really by looking at what's changed in in society over the last uh, particularly just the last uh, two generations and if we look at you know, grandparents perhaps who came out of the depression or depending on what age parents or grandparents who lived through the depression there's a very strong ingrained belief that saving money um, is, is the best strategy for a uh, for a safe future and absolutely saving is really, really important, but, but we have to be careful not to do that to a fault. Uh, the reason being is that if we particularly, as we think about our future needs, you know, whatever age we're at now, you know, we've all been aging since the day we were born, but we may have peaked in, in our teens perhaps, and it's been a slow decline ever since. But reality is you know, we're gonna have different needs in the future than we have today, so we need to make sure that the environment that we're planning to be in is going to fit for our needs down the road. It doesn't matter so much what it is. I mean, we have a, a gap today. Obviously, we need to address it. But we really need to be addressing what are our future needs going to be if we're planning to stay in our home. This is, this is a place where people have a hard time uh, pulling the trigger on making a decision that they tend to want to be more reactive. They feel more comfortable saying, I'll spend the money when I know I need it. Yeah. So, so what we see time and again happen is 
Well, unfortunately, the time you needed is you had a fall uh, yesterday. Uh, today you're in the hospital. Um, you're, you've now got a long road to recovery that's now bringing all family in to support you. Um, you're going to have to have rehab, and you're going to have to get some modifications done for you perhaps even to be able to get back into your home to be, allowed, to be released to go home. So now you're in a scenario where you're spending a whole lot of money. Uh, you're not having you're having to deal with recovery on something that could have often easily been avoided by spending a bit of money or reallocating some of our some of our savings to making sure that we're in an environment that's sustainable for that for that long term that we're we're expecting our homes to be. So it's yeah. it's trying to look at it. I actually try to encourage it. And we say spend healthy. I really, in a conversation, try to take them into really an equity discussion. Mm -hmm. We have a certain amount of equity. How are we going to distribute that? Simply saving it all for a rainy day really isn't the best strategy for preserving that equity. Like insurance, we need to spend something to protect against the, 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 the almost inevitable uh, events that life's going to throw at us. And if we don't deal with the risks around us, the likelihood of those events is is significantly higher. Yes, and this is something that I, I share often with my clients too. And I think people have um, have an image, perhaps, of what a modified or accessible home might look like, and um, and they might not want to go there. And what's what's changed, and what I think people are are starting to understand, is this idea that accessibility and having a home really meet someone's needs is in, can be incredibly beautiful. And so having, so in, you know, a proactive response would be if you're thinking about modifying your bathroom anyway, why not putting in a barrier free shower, which is, um, which is a very much a luxury feature right now with the spa like showers. And it can be incredibly beautiful too. And even little things, for example, in our house, we're changing all the doorknobs to something that is uh, not so brassy and we're putting in lever door handles. And so these, these minor changes and anytime we change a light switch, we're changing it to a rocker light switch. We're not going around and changing all the light switches at once, but the ones that we are changing, we're putting in a, a better, more universally designed tool. And so it's these, these small things that people can start to think about too, rather than, oh my goodness, I need to change my whole house. I don't want to do that. But as you, uh, uh, as you address projects in your home, you know, having this mind for universal design, I think is where someone like you could come in and really help them create this beautiful space in their home. Yeah, it, it's exactly, exactly the approach, uh, Nicole. And we see it time and again, where someone starts with a project and, you know, simple things like rocker switches. They, we don't even talk to them about them initially. When it comes time, we have the discussion with them around which ones they'd rather do. And in almost every case, they choose rocker switches. And then in almost every case, oh, could you also do them here, here, and here? Because we really like those. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they like them because they look better and they work better, mm -hmm. uh, which is really like the, the you know, there are a few key elements of universal design, which I think are absolutely brilliant. Uh, and so if you can figure out which ones really fit for you, it's a, it's just, it's a, it's a marvel, marvelous thing. And it's so, so obvious once you see it and realize why were we doing it that way for so long? Right. Uh, that's, right. That's, yeah. that's the part that frustrates me with, with, with home construction is, is, 
you know, we've really been making bad choices for about 200 years that people are reluctant to change because you know, cause that involves change. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I think yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's providing space for uh, acceptance too, and like, as we know better, we do better. And we say, okay, well, now we know, and now we're going to do it this way. And, and it's so important to see it, right? That's, yes. that's really, I think the, uh, you know, when we think about accessibility, I tell people, don't think about the fast food restaurant. That's <laughs> right. what most people, right. that, that, that's what comes to mind. If you take the time to explore a little bit, uh, and then we try to put some, some photos up on our websites just to make it easy for people to see what, what a barrier-free shower looks like. It doesn't need to have grab bars in it. We certainly build them to accommodate them at any point. We put blocking in behind when we're building it so you can put them in as you need them. But in, ev- in every case, these are the things that people look at of any age and say, oh, wow, I want that. Why would I want that old thing when I can see what how, how beautiful this looks? And that's really the case, right? Right, even from an entry to the front of the home. You know, they, it, it's really again how homes were designed. It, there's lots of ways to design barrier-free entry to come into a home as well, and we look at that as a, as as a landscaping project. It's really not about accessibility. That's the end result. Right. It's a landscaping project, and when it's done, it looked like it was there the whole uh, right from the, the day the home was built yes yes so i would love for you to talk about the economics of aging in place right now and um, your three favorite modifications or changes for a home if people are wanting to stay at home as they age sure sure so so with economics that's a that's a key part of of, of making any choices right it goes right back to deciding do I even have any alternative to staying at home? For some people, it's an absolute essential that they need to make it work because everything else is, is more expensive. So, so, so that's fine. So, so as we look at that, you know, first, first uh, step in that is really to understand what is the current economic state. So that's the, the obvious things would be understanding what's your net worth. So, how much money do you actually have as a net worth? How much do you have in investments that's available? And the other one that, that we really need to, to, to stop and look at is what's our annual budget look like? We kind of get complacent around that. A, you know, a few people are very good about it, but we really need to understand what's our actual spend look like. You know, take the simplest form and look at bank statements for the last two years at December 31st, for example. Get some idea of how is that moving? But ideally, we really are able to break it down in some detail. With that knowledge, we can now start to look forward and say, well, how much are we getting back from our investments? Um, what's our run rate look like on that? So that we can start to predict how much money we're going to have going forward because we know we should be allocating some money later in life for, for some health care needs. Or if we want to go into facility, how much is that going to be? So, so the there's numbers available to look at what facility costs are and fund by state, uh, but really, what I encourage you is is don't don't take the easy way out. You really need to go visit uh, two or three facilities in and around a place you think you might be considering. Go visit them, understand what the costs are, see the facility, and get some real numbers. You know, don't trust what you read on the internet. Don't trust what your friends have done or looked at. 
in all cases, it seems that they get lower numbers than reality. So this is a really key part. Uh, and then what to do with the numbers. If you have a financial planner who's willing to work with you to develop that, that's great. Uh, not all financial planners actually do any effort in that part because if they don't have anything to offer you other than an insurance policy, they kind of kind of remain silent on that. So, so really, I'd encourage people to to really dig into it. We do a model for the clients to look and give them some idea of benchmarking of how much money do they have given some certain life events. We're living longer than we planned. That sounds good, but that comes with some consequences. So it really starts to to put the finances into into a shape that most people uh, really don't look at. Say financial planners don't take them there. It's really up to you to to dig in and understand that. I love that. The call to action. So go and visit local assisted living facilities in the area. You're looking at monthly cost. So sometimes the assisted living facility will have a flat fee monthly cost, and sometimes it'll be a, a small fee, and then everything else is a la carte. And so really asking about their pricing structure too, and that'll help you understand. Um, so if people want to stay in their home, you have three main changes that you recommend. Can you talk about those three? Sure. So, so the first one is simply coming and going to your home. So I mentioned putting some sort of a no-step entry. It could be through a garage. It could be through a side door, a back door, a front door. But its purpose is to allow you to come and go freely if you had to be you know, with a walker or a wheelchair or you have friends and family coming to visit. You want to make it easy for them to come and visit you too. That's number one. Uh, number two is put in a barrier-free shower. Now, bathrooms wear out. They need to get updated from time to time anyway. Decide when that right time is. And even if you just do the bottom part of the shower and convert it to barrier-free, that in itself is the key element. Uh, you don't have to do the whole bathroom necessarily. And then the third one is that if you're in a multi-level home, so if not in a ranch-style home, you want to be able to, to still live in your whole home. I would argue it makes far more sense to put in a personal lift those typically are installed for a price of under 25000 which is, for most people, going to be less than what it would cost to put in a main floor bathroom. It allows you to live in your whole home freely, to go up and down stairs freely, um, and, and really kind of continue to live as, as you've been used to living. We, we do that locally uh, where we are. So that's about a $40,000 investment. If I put that against what it costs to live in a facility, that's uh, we'll spend that in under six months. So if you have avoided a fall in any of those locations and all the complications that go with that, you could live your, in your home for years longer uh, for a relatively small investment. So, so again, it comes back to the equity. At yes. 40000 here, you can burn through $200,000 in other costs in a heartbeat uh, after an event. So. Remarkable. So those are the three. Yeah, those are the three we, we try to get people to look at first. Oh, well, Scott, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's, it's been great to talk with Nicole, and, uh, and I really appreciate uh, being part of it. Thank you for listening to Home in Place Podcast. Today, Scott and I talked about the value of looking at examples of beautiful and universally designed spaces to get an idea of what is possible in your own home. Many examples can be found on Scott's website, 
homeideations.com. Click on the link to his ideas gallery. I've also curated a collection of beautiful spaces with a mind to universal and inclusive design on my Instagram account. In the app, you can find me at home and place and through the web, instagram.com slash home and place. Links to these resources will also be found in the show notes for this episode on my website, homeandplacepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play so you never miss an episode. While you're there, rate and review the show. This really does help more people find the podcast. If you have show ideas, I would love to hear them. Reach out on my website or social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Home and Place. I'm your host, Nicole Kane. I'm the owner of Home and Place Project, rethinking the built environment. With a background in occupational therapy, environmental gerontology, and training as a certified aging in place specialist, I help homeowners, researchers, and businesses go beyond ADA to create beautiful and inclusive environments. My work is based in solid research and guided by a deep appreciation for the power of place and importance of personal choice. To connect, collaborate, or just find out more about me and my work, visit my website, homeandplaceproject.com. Special thanks to the Audio Information Network of Colorado for broadcasting this episode to the radio listeners. Learn more about them on their website, aincolorado.org. And finally, thank you to Delia of Northfield, Minnesota for composing and performing this original music. Take us home, Delia. <laughs>